name is Drew and I'm a psychotherapist here in New York City and today we're going to talk about the Enneagram 8 subtypes. Now if you've watched before you know that it is my joy to help people find out things about themselves they didn't know they want to know. It's my purpose in life, that one line. No matter what I'm doing, I hope to do that. And in this case, I want to help you feel understood, known, and seen. You Enneagram 8s and the people who are watching to try to understand the Enneagram better or, or try to understand their 8 friends and family better, this is a complicated group. Dynamic, powerful, magnetic. They will suck you in. Sometimes they will spit you out. So this is going to be a fun ride. I, I love the subtypes. It's my favorite thing. It's, I think this is a, a, a 201 or a 301 course where what I did with the eight overview, which it was very extensive, was a 101 course. It's just getting you the roots, the, the foundation. This is going that step further. And this might help you eights understand a bit more how you operate more uh, uniquely. There's three different types of eights. It's not just one. And so where you read all this stuff about an eight, and you go, that doesn't really feel totally like me. This might narrow you down. So there's the self-preserver. There's the sexual type and the social type. Now, I did an overview of the subtypes. I think it's important that you go watch it. It really helps, I think, conceptualize how I see the subtypes. Now, I'll just give you a brief piece here. We're always all three. So I recommend over and over again, you're going to hear it said, watch all three. Now, I'm going to film this and package it together. So down below, you could fast forward to the next one and the next one and the next one. But if we don't watch all three, we don't know how to integrate well. You do have a dominant. You do have a repressed, one you don't use as much. And this middle one kind of works with the top. You might find that it's sometimes even hard to know which one you're being in a moment. But the goal is to take it, you know, when we're young, like this. This one's really working on overdrive and screwing us up, but also our best gifts. And this one's like really quiet. As we grow, they move closer together and then they'll start maybe even out a bit. You'll become a more integrated person. And that's what the Enneagram is meant to do. It's meant to help us see our shadow side, our weaknesses, the stuff back there that's hiding in, in the shadows. And we have to get to that by digging deep and doing some shadow boxing. And I know that you eights love to fight it out. We're actually going to use a song that will have the little echoes of Rocky. I had the tiger. But go watch that overview. Also watch the overview of the eights. I think it will help just get that foundation. So come with me on this journey. I'm going to have songs that are attached to each of the subtypes as I did with the eights, a bit of a soundtrack on the overview. And you're gonna have a Spotify that you can go to to listen to those songs, even maybe while we're doing this in the background. Um, if you are interested in individual help, get in touch with me through socials or my website. And if it's a one-time thing, that's cool. Long-term, short-term, just holler at me. I hope that this helps you understand something about yourself you didn't know you wanted to know. And thank you for coming on the journey. I hope you watch it full through, all three. All right, I always like to start with the counter type because a lot of people come to the YouTube to figure out what they are and, and they find out about the counter type and they realize, oh, I've been mistyping as this other number, but I'm actually this number. And that's what happens with the counter type. The counter type is always looking a little different than the other two types. So I always say one of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't fit in. Well, for this part, it's the social eight. They look the most like a two. And they often type as a two and confused if they're a two or an eight. Now, the self-preserving eight looks the most like a five. But we've, we found out, in, if you watch the, the uh, overview that I did, that 
five and two are the up and down for you guys. When you feel secure and safe and in a good place in life, you guys as eights in general have a lot of two components in you. And when you're stressed or regressing, you look a lot like a five and some of the, the more neurotic parts of a five. So to understand the social eight, we have to understand the two a bit and understand some of the discrepancies. It's hard for people to put the social eight in a category. Their anger is less composed. They're less rebellious. They're more collaborative. They have the title of camaraderie. Camaraderie, camaraderie, it's a really shitty word to say, but they are comrades. <laughs> They usually are pretty good leaders in that. They will find the exploited, the abused, and they'll tap into how to help the marginalized. I must protect the people from the bullshit of the world, is what they will say. And AIDS typically move against social norms, like are the social AIDS, like other AIDS will. They're rebellious against the oppression of others. Now, twos can be more compliant and dependent than eights. So, so eights, ask yourself the question, am I really compliant and independent of other people? No, most of you eights would never say that. The difference also is the unconscious motivation. The twos are more image conscious. How are you viewing me? Because I'm helping the people. Eights give less shits about that. Yes, they're still nurturing and protective, but they're stronger. They're looking for less social recognition. They aren't just outspoken and powerful twos, though. You know, they want to deeply empower people. But on their team to do that, they want people who aren't so codependent who are self-sufficient and powerful. They'll bring you along a bit, but they want you to be independent. The two can find very dependent people. Uh, unhealthy two can spend their life with one unhealthy person fixing them. I have clients who come in and uh, they're maybe have been in a relationship with an addict. And everybody in, the, in their family and all their friends are going, looking at them and going, they're the saint. And the addict's the sinner, and it's never that case. They're both equally dysfunctional. Their puzzle pieces just fit so they can stay dysfunctional. This saint is going to keep on helping this needy person. And the needy person is going to keep on getting help so they don't have to take responsibility. The eight doesn't seem to play that game. The two is more likely to do that. They both have, though solidarity in helping others, being protective and loyal and nurturing. And so for a social eight, they can actually develop by looking at a two and the vulnerability and the sensitivity of the two and the emotional bandwidth of the two. Now for the twos, threes, and fours who are all um, more of the heart folks, they're more of the emotion, they, they lead into the world with emotion. They all have broader emotional capacities. So the two has broader emotional capacity than the social eight. But this is the representation of the contradiction, the countertype. The social eight will be though rebelling still uh, against how people aren't protected and aren't taken care of. It, it is still a um, a lustful experience, even though it doesn't seem so much. They're lusting and pushing towards, they're targeting, pushing against the status quo and the rules of society that don't work for the broader group. Now, here's the song I'm going to use. This is one of my favorite bands in the world. One of the best live shows, this guy Neil Hannon and his band, The Divine Comedy. Not many people know about him. He's a little weird, a little off-center. I tend to like that type of thing. But he has this song called To the Rescue, and the lyrics are really beautiful. So many heartbreaks, so little time. 
Too many tragedies, too many crimes. Put on your body armor, prepare your alibis, because there is no one else gonna put it right. And the chorus is to the rescue, to the rescue, down the streets and alleyways, through the wind and driving rain, to the rescue. When the world won't understand, take the law into your hands. Oh, that is an eight song. I nailed it on that one. You may think the song sucks, but it is a beautiful expression of who you social eights are. Your highest motivation is fighting injustice and coming to the rescue. You naturally want to lead and you very much want to be yourself in it. Your will, your drive, your passion is to get it done and to bring the group along with you and to know how their different resources work. It's much different than this, the uh, sexual and the self-preserver who are a bit more focused on self. You guys are focused on group, champion, placing people, helping people rise up, supporting, caring, mentoring. You can be great staff leaders. There is lots of juice in you for the group, bubbly and carbonated for the cause, power to have influence. And you can help the group navigate conflict. You guys can carry so much weight, right? Uh, down the streets and alleyways, there's, a, there's an idea there that the streets and the alleyways are tough, that there's going to be conflict there. Through the winds and driving rains, and there's more lyrics in that song about conflict, tension, coming towards the head, and you, social aides, can carry that load. Your decisiveness and confidence and your weight-bearing will get the job done. You can still be your antisocial self, though, like the other eights. The causes are key, and sometimes, if the people don't fall in line, you will drive over them a bit to get the cause done. So you have to be aware of who you need to let go of your team, so that you don't destroy them and abuse them. And who you need to work with better and understand them better and help them navigate the hardship of their job. Or in the family or your kids or whatever. So, they use their intensity and vigor and even their excessiveness like the other eights to get it done. There will be a little bit more concern about some social acceptance, not like the two. You don't have that same need for that recognition, but it's there a bit. You know, you have to utilize it to bring people along. You have to get along with people. You guys are more subtle, more muted than the other eights. No less powerful, but maybe less loud. You tend to be a bit more chill and quietly subversive. You know, you'll work. You'll work your way, you might be a little bit more diplomatic. You know how to use the right words to get people to do things less hostile, not as easily triggered, more temperance. Most vulnerable, most connected to self. Again, you, you look most like a two. And like I said, the two has a broader emotional range, just like us fours. Or the threes. There's just a, you know, the, the threes can underdo it a bit. The fours really have a broad emotional range. The twos kind of be, are that moderate level. And so that's the beauty of you eight social eights. You have a little bit more of that. Your optimism is also endearing. You know, you, you can have the hope that drives the whole team forward. And that also is your battle cry, right? Your, your rebellion is, I have more hope than the people who are screwing up the marginalized. And so your energy is idealized by others and also maybe idealized by yourself. You need to be connected to what you need though. Let's take a second here. What do you need? And how are you gonna get those needs met? so concentrated on the group and championing the cause that you might miss yourself, you might not take enough time out for yourself. So you have to schedule that in. 
for self-care. It's that old metaphor of being on the plane and taking the oxygen first before you put it on anybody else if the plane decompresses. Because if you give it to somebody else and they don't have the power to give it to you because they're weaker than you, you will die quickly. What I think is the biggest danger for the social aid is that they have needs and had needs as a kid. And a lot of those needs weren't met or they didn't think they'd be met. And so they find people in the world to meet the needs of. And it is a type of projection of their own need on other people. Think about that. How are you taking care of people in your life and in your sphere and doing that as some kind of mm, way of taking care of yourself and your needs, the needs that maybe weren't taken care of. This is where you twos and eights can look similar because twos can get really resentful if people don't acknowledge that they are helping them. That's why their sin is pride. Like, notice that I'm doing all these things. I'm caring for all of you. And when twos are at their weakest, they get really resentful that you're not noticing what they're doing for you. Well, eights can also get resentful. Why? They're the most connected to the humans. If your dominant is social eight, you're going to be much more connected to humans than a self-preserving eight or even a sexual eight who has a smaller sphere of humans that they connect with. So those connections can actually screw you in the end because people will hurt you. It's natural. So expect to be hurt. The thing that surprises me about eights is they're dumbfounded sometimes when they are hurt by humans. Fours never are. We always have a bit of a worst case scenario going on. What, what might go wrong? We don't have as much anxiety about it because ultimately we've accepted that the world is really ugly and dark. Because you social eights have so much hope, and eights in general have so much hope and positivity, that they often don't realize, yeah, shit's going to go wrong. And let's be honest about that. And therefore, we can be in relationships better because of that acceptance. We've accepted it, that we're going to get hurt. We're going to be abused. We're going to be misunderstood. And because we've accepted it, we can then kind of ease up a little bit because it's going to happen. And then therefore, we don't have to be so judgmental and so picky when our friends do it. Give them the benefit of that and then tell them how they hurt us. You guys are already often good at picking reliable folks to be around, but that's usually because um, the paranoia is pretty loud. I think that there's more folks that AIDS can let in if they take that down a bit and trust folks more. Cool, it's great to not suffer fools. I'm not saying let in shitbirds. But can you take leave of your hypervigilance about what might go wrong with relationships and get a little bit more comfortable in that they'll just be wonky and funky all the time? Otherwise, you guys can tend to bully or pick on folks just like the other two types, be more competitive and, and fiery with, with other people. So be more generous with your time for you. You're going to solve a lot of the world's woes anyway. That's going to happen. Take some breaks so you do it more wisely. The greatest leaders often have a team helping them to carve out margin in their own life. Those are the accomplices you need. Yes, accomplices in your cause to get things done, to champion these great movements of change in society in business, but also have the accomplices that are strong enough to push back on you. Whew. I love you social fours. You get so much shit done for the world and for business and you tweak things that need tweaked. But if you don't get the feedback you need, you will miss the mark quite often. All right, on to the next one. All right, we are now going to jump into the self-preserving eights, you eights and those who are trying to understand eights. As I say, redundantly, you get it over and over again. You're all three. 
So watch all three subtypes because they're always working in conjunction. So the self-preserver we know the least about out of the eights because they are the most secretive. They are the most hidden, the most, uh, I don't know how would I would say it, contained. And so there will be a reason that this is the shortest one out of the subtypes because there is the least known. <coughs> that privacy keeps us from knowing them that well, and they like it that way. They tend to want distance between themselves and others. And they have a small group of trusted people, often their family. I like to say that there's a double P. They are protective and they provide, especially for their families. So that commitment to survival of creating the boundaries around their territory is highly important to them. The song I'm going to choose here is I have always choosing a song, and I'm going to add this song to the playlist of the overview of eights is Eye of the Tiger. Yes, the Rocky theme, you know it well. I'm not going to have to go into all the lyrics. It was a choice between this and White Snakes. There, uh, here I go again on my own. Rising up, back on the streets, did my time, took my chances. Went the distance, now I'm back on my feet. Just a man and his will to survive. Oof, it's not flashy. Rocky is not flashy. He's, he's just gritty by himself, getting the job done, preparing for Apollo Creed. And that is my kind of image of you eights. As Steinbeck says, and I say this all the time, most people have two balls, but there are few who have one, and more, and even fewer who have three. Like all eights, you guys have three nuts, you know? Like, you really have some cojones. And that was the idea with Rocky, too, is quiet, internal, get it done. Not too charismatic. So the sexual type is more charismatic, more provocative. Um, not as warm as the social type, not as tender as the social type, and socially oriented. If you're doing more social work, you're doing it probably a little bit more from behind the scenes and less collaborative with the team. Now think about what your second in command is. Maybe it is your social is second. Likely it's your sexual, but let's just say it was your social, then you will be a bit more capable of interacting with others. But you guys are the least verbal the least likely to pipe up and overshare or um, need the limelight. You're also quiet but not soft. So you can detach from tenderness. You can detach emotionally and internally like go to another place. And you can see weakness in those who would be overtly comfortable with emotionality. But you are still strong, quiet, intense, quiet, strong, right? <laughs> There's this ability to, to still have that fierceness. <clears throat> You're going to be most confused with sexual ones. You both want to get yours. I see it. I want it. I want to get mine. I need it to survive, okay? But ones follow the social norms more, you guys will push against that. You're less concerned with social expectations, as all eights are. So some people actually consider this like the iconic eight, you know, that grinder, that person who can go after a thing, get it done, and be very protective of their small group. You guys can be bold, you can be brash. Uh, that level of intensity that you have can feel really critical when you need to help others, you can be ruthless. I'll go under, over, through someone to get it. As my buddy says, he's an eight, I could be 40% steamroller, 40% concerned that I was a steamroller and feeling kind of bad about it, and 20% dip diplomatic. I would say the, the self-preserving eights might have higher number uh, as percentage of steamroller less high number of concern about having been a steamroller and less high number of being a diplomat, okay? So your instinct is to just do it like that old Nike uh, advertising theme, the marketing plan, just do it. Just go out and do it. And I'm, there's no BS, there's no bullshit about it. No nonsense, I'm gonna get it done. Less talky, more dewy, you know? 
that's the beauty of the eight actually to me sometimes is it's less talk and more action. Just get it done. Now, of course, you can run over people because you're not getting as much feedback. And I think the self-preserver has to watch out for this the most. That they might not get the feedback they need to see their shadow side. The shadow side is always that part of us that's back here that we can't see or we know about, but we don't want to integrate into ourself. And often it requires somebody from the outside to see it and tell us about it. And because we make our circle pretty small of self-preservers, <coughs> we can be the least likely to see it because we're going to get the least interaction and least feedback. So this is a challenge to you self-preservers. If you want to actually excel more, or in the rocky sense, <coughs> be able to see how you can fight better and the strategy behind how you're going to take out the champion, you need more feedback from the outside. And, and at some level have to engage some kind of eagerness for it. But often you can think you know everything. You're so certain. And even when you're wrong, you can just switch gears. But can you ask for the feedback? When you guys are unhealthy, you can be selfish fuckers. You really can. To get what you want, you have to relegate your emotion, disqualify people, diminish people. Even diminish institutions. You're going to push against the, the powers that be. And sometimes this doesn't help you if it's too wild or wrong. In stress, remember in the, the uh, beginning when I did the first eight oversight series, it's a really long one, um, I talked a little bit about the high side and the low side. When you guys are on your high side, you look a little bit more like a two when you're healthy and feeling safe and secure. When you're on the low side, you look more like a five, more withdrawn, investigatory. So you guys, you self-preservers already look like a five. You're already in stress going to naturally lean towards that. But as a self-preserving eight, you look the most like a five. So you're going to plan and research. You're going to investigate. That's the, that's the great part. But also, when you are in a state of that stress, you're going to withdraw, maybe research too much, investigate too much, play it safe too much, try to create certainty where there is no certainty. Possibly be very territorial in a way that isn't just those double P's, the, the protectiveness and the um, provider, but over-prepare. So I have a client who's a five that when COVID happened, he had food for the year, he had guns, he had ammo, he had water reserves, he had a bunker system, no shit. This is in near New York City. You know, this isn't like back country. He was ready to go. He was preparing for the worst case scenario. So this is where the self-preserver can get a bit paranoid. Well, they often feel like they have to do it alone, suck it up and grind. Um, reaching out being very rare for them. They'll also get easily disgusted with people. So if we move away from that five component, and just talk about them in general, like all eights, they can be really disgusted with people. But because you guys are a, a bit more antisocial, <coughs> a bit more withdrawn in general and, and out of um, connection with the humans, your disgust can grow because you're not rubbing up against people enough to get that compassion and empathy, to learn their story, to understand what they've been through. Then you can also get disgusted with yourself if you need help. You see it as weak, but, but it's actually a strength. So even when you may ask for help, you might not show your vulnerability. And not show it enough to get your needs met. To not ask them. I, I know in my life, when I'm feeling stressed, there's this push and pull as a sexual four that looks a lot like an eight. How much do I want to be vulnerable in this moment? 
wouldn't it just be better to hide away and try to get my reserves back and come back to the world? But in those moments, I often have to reach out and tell someone exactly what I need from them. It's a hard thing to do, that honesty. It can tax you as an eight. It requires a lot from you. That's where you can get drained to, to get that support. So you may have a few folks, and I think self-preservers have this, maybe one, you know, one or two folks, your inner circle, that can be protective of you and give you strength and support. Now, in your life, you want people to take personal responsibility. All eights are kind of like, take me or leave me, I'm here, this is what I am. And don't love it when somebody complains about how hard it is to be with you because you're sitting there going like, take your own responsibility. Get your shit together. Learn how to deal with me. You have to take responsibility for yourself in this support sense. Self-preserving eights especially take limited responsibility for their own heart and life with humans. They'll get their material needs met, but the human connection is harder. So let's talk about how I, if you watch my overview on the subtypes, and in that overview, I also, I talked about this in the beginning, um, talk about your social stances. And you guys are an assertive or, or an aggressive social stance, people, just like threes and sevens. But in that subtype uh, section, I talk about going to a party. Now, the self-preserver always wants to know what's going on at that party beforehand. What resources do I need to have to get there? Do I, what kind of food will they have? What kind of people will be there? Uh, what do I have to prepare for? How many, how many uh, notches up of energy do I have to have? So if you want them to go to the party, <coughs> they'll likely go. But they want to know if the right people are going to be there and what's going to be the agenda and what's the food situation. <laughs> Speaking of food, if you do not feed a self-preserving ape, if you not hydrate a self-preserving ape, they can get really cranky. They get hangry. So keep that in mind. <coughs> they also put a lot of creative energy into their space to create a safe space. So as all self-preservers are worried about home, and security, they will too. Now they can be more materialistic. They, when they're going after something, it's often material or resources to get that support to go fight the world with. Immediate satisfaction is common with them. Think about this self-preserving aids. How immediate do you want what you want? You will use drive and skill and passion and resources to get that. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's cars, maybe it's land. What is it for you? Ask the question. What gives you comfort? And is it too loud in your life? Workaholism. Has workaholism become your master? To tame financial anxieties, maybe. You know, a lot of self-preserving aids have anxiety about money. To give you a hint here, how would you treat your closest friend or your closest loved one. Treat money the same way. And if you're going to treat money with incredible amount of anxiety and fear of the future, you're going to fuck it up. Think about if you did that with your friend all the time. If you were constantly anxious about your relationship with your friend and you were constantly worried about the future and if they were enough or if you were enough for them, treat your money as a friend. Diminish the anxiety about the future. Know that you guys can continue to work on the relationship in the present. But a self-preserving eight might go to extremes with their concern about money. And you guys are the least likely to have to worry about it. You're going to get your material needs met, likely. That's what you guys do. You survive. And often you think you're in a survival moment, and you're not. You're thriving. So when you think, how do I get the things I can use? What can I use them for? How do I get them? Know this. You probably are doing okay. And you can diminish some of that anxiety. Now, I struggle with that too. 
it always feels in my head like I don't have enough, I need a bit more, and where will it go? And the reality is, I'm a grinder too. I'm going to survive. And, and likely, I'm going to thrive. So in my own life, I'm trying to work on being a better friend to my money. Not treat it with anxiety or doom or fear of the future or regret. I've made some big financial, woe, you know, woeful moments. And when that regret comes up, I have to say those were learning lessons and I'll still thrive. So it is not irrevocable to be a self-preserving aid. You've got some things you can work on. I tried to throw some things at you here. Know that if it is your dominant, it is important that you be who you're going to be. But chip away at some of the weaknesses. We're, it's not a wholesale change we're looking to make. We're not looking to make you a social aid. We're looking to make you a more integrated person with your social side. We're not looking to make you a sexual ape. We're looking to make you a more integrated sexual component, one-on-one -on -one component. This is always about making it go from here with the dominant, the repressed, and the middle one to more like this and then to more like this, as I've talked about in the overview of the subtype. So go watch that too, just so you can really steep yourself in this. All right, that's the self-preserving eights. Okay, you sexual eights and you other eights who are integrating that sexual one-on-one -on -one part into you. Again, the, the sexual type is the one-on-one -on -one type. They're looking for intensity. They're looking for exalted moments. And eights are already super intense. So you imagine that the one-on-one -on -one type is wildly intense. I have a few of them in my life. And uh, when they are unhealthy... It is one of the more annoying experiences to have. But so could be said about my friends who have to experience a sexual four who looks a lot like a sexual eight, that they have to suffer me often. I can be intense like you sexual eights. I can be a needler at times like you sexual eights. It, it's, a, it's a ride that people have to go on with us. So like the self-preservers, you guys are both intense and competitive. Where the social type tends to be a bit more uh, chill, aware of the other humans, the, the sexual eight is a more aware of the other humans than the self-preserver, but damn it if they don't want to just like get at you sometimes. But they also make great leaders. So the song we're going to use is from my favorite band, The Killers. I love The Killers because I love anthems. I love big songs that have epic turns in them. And so the killers have a bit of that juice that can stimulate those of us who are looking for exalted moments, something big, something um, powerful. So the song is I'm the Man. Now, I already know I'm a dude giving this talk. So I hope that you women or those that are non-binary understand that it, I'm not trying to pick all masculine stuff, but the eight is the masculine archetype, where the two is the feminine archetype. So we're going to use the word man here, but think about people or think about yourself. Ready? Okay, here's the lyrics. I know the score like the back of my hand. Them other boys, I don't give a damn. They kiss on the ring, I carry the crown. Nothing can break, break. No, nothing can break me down. Don't need advice, I got the plan. I'm the man. Sexual eights, and I'm going to go with sexual instead of one-on-one, -on -one, but it does not mean that you are more sexual in the sense that you want to hook up with everybody. Again, it means that you're looking for intensity quite often. And you will often find the leadership role. Find a lot of sexual eights in the power position. They will fill the room. There's a charisma and intensity when those two are working together, charisma and intensity can be really dynamic, possibly annoying. They are deeply passionate, can be really fun, adrenaline seekers. I mean, think about an eight-wing seven that is also a sexual type. There's going to be a lot of juice there. And to 
restrain themselves to get people alongside of them to do the job is going to be important for them because they're up for anything and they're up to do it all in. So we talk about them as being the possessive types and, and the title for them, if self-preservers are survivalists, you guys are uh, the possessive types. Possession is the, the concept here. I will bring myself to this, this whole situation. If I'm going to be a friend, I'm going to be a best friend. If I'm going to be a skier, I'm going to be a ski jumper. If I'm going to uh, live in New York, I'm going to live in the best spot and I'm going to do it big and I'm going to work at a big company, whatever it looks like for you. But it's not just do it. It's go big, go home. You guys feel the emotions the most out of the eights. Now, the eights tend to relegate their emotions to a subterranean region that they cannot have too much access to. You guys are going to be the ones that feel it the most. Therefore, you could be the most mushy. You might have the softest underbelly. So where you're passionate in your intensity to lead, you know, give, a, give an eight, a sexual eight, maybe a speech that they have to give on a relationship. Maybe like a best man speech or a maid, uh, maid of honor speech that they might crack a little bit. Because that same intensity is there. Now, when they are unhealthy, they can have an inclination to be bad, a bit antisocial. Their guilt mediation isn't really that great. Meaning, they don't tend to have the same kind of guilt that other people would have when they do things. So think about, this is a great example. I live in New York City, so... Uh, Right on the other side of town, I live in the West Village, on the East Village, where CBGB's was. That great rock and roll uh, mecca of a room. <laughs> it's a mecca of a room where all these punk bands got their start. So go look at the history of that. But this is where the Ramones really became big. So think about the punk rocker in the 80s. That middle finger, that fuck you to the world that looking for disconnect a bit, looking to push against. And this is where that rebel spirit of the eights is so loud. There's an internal hell no. Now, if you really look, a lot of them have some disconnect with a, a primary parent or a community. There is that disrespect that they experience, abandonment, disregard. And so they're pushing back. So I'm going to throw another song on here. This, is, this song is hilarious to me. And it's one of my favorite Ramon songs. The lyrics are just amazing. So I'm going to just give a few of the lyrics. And the song is called, I'm Against It. Now you eights might relate here. Well, I'm against it is the first lyric. Well, I'm against it. I'm against it. And he says it twice. Joey does. I don't like politics. I don't like communists. I don't like games and fun. I not like games and fun. I don't like anyone. I don't like Jesus freaks. I don't like circus geeks. You've got to like circus geeks. Circus geeks are great. I don't like anyone. I don't like summer, spring, water bugs, anything. Playing ping pong. Burger King. Burger King shakes are always better than McDonald's shakes. I don't drink those often, but a Burger King shake is colder. It's thicker. McDonald's is like warm. I don't get it. Anyway, this is the most rebellious type. In the overview that I did on eights, remember if you went back and watched it, it was pretty long and extensive, but I talk about the rebel and I talk about lust for life, the icky pop, like chest out, the song Rebel Rebel by David Bowie, like these classics. They want to live on their own terms. They're not prior prioritizing society as much as other people would. And in that, they are influencing society. Like the Ramones had an incredible Influence on society. So did CBGBs with all these punk bands that were coming out of it. If they want it, they'll go get it. They have very few regrets. Otto Rank, my, one of my favorite psychologists from the early 1900s, wrote this book on the artist. He said, the artist is the work of the rebel. They push against the collective soul and become singular. Singular in that they separate themselves from the pack. This is the sexual eight embodied.
Here's another lyric from The Man by The Killers that I sang before. I didn't sing it, but you get it. Lyrics. Quick right here. Right hand to God, first in command, I am the man. Now, you guys are also known. One is possessive. Two is the commander. That's what that song embodies. I am the commander here. Highest motivation for speaking out for others, but also taking control, taking the lead. Now, in the relationships, watch out. They may shape you, other people. You know, eights, you have to watch out for how you manipulate and shape people. Good or bad, right? There's a good way to etch and create. You know, like a good sculptor will take that clay and etch at it, and etch at it. What's that old quote about um, the statue of David? And I, I want to say it's Michelangelo. And um, somebody asked him how he created it. He said, I just chipped away until I got to David. Or so, It was something along the lines of David being already in the stone. I just had to chip away. And the eight will chip at people. Chip away, chip away, chip away. If you are not in a healthy place, you are not going to chip away well. And you're going to break people and make them a distorted statue of themselves. It won't get to the real David inside. So if you're a parent, a coach, a boss, watch out for this. Because you can be oppositional, provocative, your lust is often expressed in that rebellion, but it can go too far. And because you're the most emotional, you might actually be moved the most to move too quickly. And because you have limited amount of guilt for doing it, like the ability for you eights to walk away from things without a lot of stress afterwards is amazing. So here's an example. I'm a, I'm a sexual... Four. And I've said this before, you've probably heard me say it before if you've watched any of the content on the eights, is that the sexual four can be more hostile or ruthless than any eight. What do I mean by that? I'll give you, give you the details of it like this. For a living, I talk to people. When I walk into a bar, into a restaurant, into any kind of facility, any kind of institution, I'm looking for what's wrong. And I want to diagnose it and dissect it at an emotional level. And I want to figure out people at an emotional level. Why did they become how they became? Now, us sexual types, when we get hurt, we often feel anger first and react with that anger, either internally or externally. So when I get hurt by a friend or someone on the street or whatever, that instinct of anger comes up, that emotion of anger comes up, and the resources I have to break a person down are a bit more complex than the eight. The eight knows how to use people well to get things done. The four knows how to understand people well, understand what makes them unique and how they tick. So if I'm hurt and I'm in a battle with you verbally, I will tell you what your parents did to you, why you screwed you up today, why you uh, are so fucked up. All of the things that I know, because we've had deep conversations, I've gotten in there, I can use against you. Now, I've been working at myself for a long time. I tend not to do that. Maybe it happens internally for me, but I don't spit it out. And that is the job of us eights, sexual eights and sexual fours, is to restrain that. Most of my pain in life has come from that reaction, actually. Now, why am I talking about this? Because the difference between us, not only in the layers in which I can see a person, but also you can walk away from that moment pretty guilt-free. It might be there, but you found some compartment for it. It will haunt me. You know, fours, threes, and twos suffer with shame, and fours suffer with it the most, I think. I walk away from that situation and wonder if it's ever repairable. <laughs> Did I just break the relationship apart? Will they think about this forever? Will they always bring it back up? And I might be in pain about what I did to that person for weeks. Again, as we get healthy, we learn how to mitigate that and, and diminish that. But what you eights have to do is actually feel your guilt more. 
feel a little bit of maybe some shame, like, oh, I might have just stepped all over that person. I need to go figure out how to have compassion and empathy for them. You guys can also needle. Like, often you're fighting a battle that doesn't need to be fought. You're picking at a person just because you're bored. You want to challenge them. So your boredom also gets in the way. So you have to ask your, your, the questions of yourself. What's the battle here? Why do I feel I'm in a power play with this person I'm just watching football with? Why is this person prone to take the bait? Why do I love it so much that they're taking the bait? And if you know these things, you become sharper and your challenging spirit, because you guys are challengers, becomes more healthy. So I'm going to move on. But now we're going to talk a little bit about how to move into innocence. And that's the virtue for you guys is, is innocence. If your vice is lust or forcefulness, and you can move to that quickly, you have to also look at how you are soft and tender. And like I said, the sexual ache can be just a little bit more soft and tender. So we have to see how to get that. We're going to do that right now. All right, when we talk about moving from lust to innocence, what we're really talking about is from moving to the future. You guys are so future-oriented, just having to push to that future. So you neglect the present, you neglect the past. You neglect feelings and you neglect what you felt about old stuff. So to move from lust to innocence, you have to feel your feels a bit and name them. I give people an, a feeling chart with a bunch of words. So if there's anger and there's sadness and there's confusion and um, joy, all of the words, the many words that describe that. When I ask somebody if they're angry, they go, no, I'm not angry, I'm frustrated. I was, okay, frustrated is a type of anger. Peeved is a type of anger. Being rage-filled is a type of anger. All the different gradations. And here's the problem. You guys have very limited gradations. You're on or you're off. There's not a lot of texture to it. It's not 70 colors of red. It's five. We can add those gradations. To do that, we have to trust others and hear others' feedback, as I've been repetitive about. And also not being desperate. Not being desperate to fix things. To chill out a bit. To ease up. To enjoy. To tell people you need them. I ended that last part moving towards this other component of lust to innocence, which is immediacy. I need to get it done now. Now, here's another lyric from I Am The Man, you know, the killer song. When it comes to Friday, I always earn. Don't try to teach me. I got nothing to learn. Because baby, I'm gifted. USDA certified lean. Yeah, I'm the man. Again, it's just like, it's not a lot of feedback in that loop. We need a good feedback loop. So in that overview, I talk about having a tail. If five people tell you you have a tail, you better turn around and have it, see if you have a tail. What I mean by that is take a consensus. If one person tells you, hey, you're too much. Okay, maybe they're right. Go ask five other people. If five other people say you're too much, then you might be too much. I had this moment happen to me again. As a sexual four, I can push some buttons. So. I had this moment where I had visited three friends in one week. So two weekends, and I saw people in one weekend, and saw people during a week, saw people in the next weekend. And I stayed at their houses. I got feedback from all three that I had been too comfortable in their houses in different ways. And, and it was justified. Not that they didn't want me to feel comfortable, but I went too far. And what I had to do is listen to them telling me I had a tail. It was three. And their significant others. That's six, okay? They all, in a consensus, were saying, you were Drew, and we love Drew, but you were too much Drew. And I had to hear that. If one person told me and five others said, no, that's their issue, they've got to work on that, then that's okay. I had a, another moment where I was in a... Um, a small group. There was 10 people in the small group. I had to do this for graduate school. There's two leaders of the small group, both women. 
and almost everybody in the group was women. There was like two guys and myself, and the two guys were a bit, one was a lot older, and one was a bit passive. And I was sitting like this one day, and two of the women said, they felt like my energy was saying, come take care of me sexually, essentially. Which I was blown away by because I wasn't really into them and I just, I didn't, I wasn't really understanding what they were experiencing. So I said to the group, how did the rest of you experience me? And the whole rest of the group, plus the two female leaders, said we did not experience that. We just saw you as being comfortable. And so then we had to address the women and, and try to understand what in their past was being provoked by me. That was their issue, not mine. So in that case, I didn't have a tail. I didn't have to look back and see if I had a tail. Other people are saying, no, you're tailless. This helps us have temperance. We can have a temper, but we also need temperance to trim the claws a little bit. So this is part of going to innocence. Okay, we also want to possess. So even in that possession is, you might have friends um, who are experiencing you as abusive, as harsh, as attacking, because in conversations you want to possess the conversation. You want to get it to go the way you want it to go. I will get the power. I'm the man. I'm the woman. I am them. This situation, this environment, this material thing, I will get it. So that's the excess part. Cool, adventure, risk, fun, challenge. But when people cannot keep up, you might dominate. So you have to consider and contemplate how you are in, in relationship. Your emotions will always seep out, even if you don't know what they are. And this is again why I say, figure out what those emotions are. Now, I relate in a lot of ways, and I've said that before, as a sexual four, there is something about what we do to command a room when we walk in. There is something penetrating. There is something seductive and powerful. We like some eyes on us. Now, you guys, you eights, might demand loyalty and dependence and possessiveness. Whereas fours, we're more looking for individualism to stand out, but not too many people needing us too much or even having to be the leader. And that's some of the difference there. You know, for fours, deficiency for us comes and goes. You guys don't understand your deficiencies as much. And that could be a challenge for you to go look at those deficiencies, as I've been saying. It's cool to command the room, but also know that it being done guiltlessly or with ignorance is going to break people. So we love, I'm going to end this way, we love the zestiness, the carbonation, the hormony, sexual skin stuff that you guys bring. It is dynamic and it can work for so much good but watch out that you don't crush humans and also that this serves a bigger purpose for example i said in the intro that my purpose is to help people understand themselves to feel known and my purpose in life definitionally in one sentence, is to help people understand things about themselves they didn't know they want to know. It took me a long time to figure out that sentence and to play with other sentences, and it started out as three sentences, and it turned into one. Tight, cohesive. If the eight doesn't do that, you're shooting bullets all over the place. You have to find out how to have the right crosshairs to set the right target. All right, sexual eights, I'm done with you. Trust me, I relate so much. We are brothers and sisters in arms. We struggle with a lot of the same things. God help people for, for being in relationship with us. But this is why we gotta do the work. I've been in therapy for 20 years because I know I could be a pain in the ass. I have to chip away at that stuff so that I can be a healthier friend and a healthier lover. So, do the work, guys.
All right, that's it. I kicked your ass a little bit. I probably was repetitive at times. You were probably annoyed by me at times because you are an eight and you're easily annoyed. But I hope that I led you well and that you were capable of being led because I know that that's a hard dynamic. Thanks for coming on the journey. Please subscribe. It helps you know when stuff's coming out. Maybe you have a friend that is another number. Maybe I cover that and you want to share it with them or you want to help people understand who you are. So you give it to them. That'd be cool. If you have any responses, put them down. People tend to interact and that's pretty cool. As always at the end of every one of mine, I say everything is yet to be done. Everything. In the words of Rainar Marie Broca. All right, guys. Have a good one. See you soon.